So you're back then? <laughs> it looks a bit like it. Yeah, thank you for that mildly offensive introduction last week. What? what? <laughs> I think that's how counselling works. I thought it was caring. <laughs> it was caring. Yeah, but listen, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you. Were you reading? Were you showing what? off? Were you trying? Well, I couldn't help but notice how good the introduction was. It sounded <laughs> slick. And prof- Are you trying to make out this is somehow my fault? Um, well, I did have it slightly organised, you know, because it's actually harder working without another idiot on the other side <laughs> because you, you've got no safety net, have you? No, really. So, so I, I sort of had it, uh, yeah, you know, slightly written. Well, I just yeah. don't want you to get used to not having someone around to point out your many inadequacies. Uh, well, thank you. What a, what a, what a lovely ministry you have. <laughs> thank you. Bless you. Welcome everybody to episode 210 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. I I think I would have buzzed in for hesitation there, but... (laughs) Other than that, <laughs> strong. I, I just saw you <laughs> grinning at me, and it put me off. Um, episode 210 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name's Nick Page, and there, back in his rightful place. There Thank he you. is, yes. Joe Davis. Hello, everyone. Hi. Thanks for that week off. That was lovely. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I say week off. I will, Yeah, barely a week off, but yeah, no, it was, it was doing different things. Well, well, as I said, you did put in some podcasting yes, duty. Yes, I did. In the week. I um, know. So I think it was fair enough. But it was, I tell you, it was very odd. It yeah. Was, it was really odd. It felt it felt like a completely different show without you there. Really. Well, it, you know, it was odd listening uh, to you without me there, to be honest. And then I actually listened to that episode again, which I suppose I must have listened to before, but I don't remember it. Uh no, I. What was striking about that was how uh, how impassioned you were. Yes, um, I thought that. Yeah, none of this wishy washiness. <laughs> no, and you had intelligent stuff to say. Uh, and this was only three years ago, so I don't know what's happened. <laughs> the quality has got worse and worse and worse. Plummeted. It's. <laughs> It's like the economy. It's just been completely trashed by three years of disruption. It is true. I have no excuse. But yes, no, I thought that. I thought, well, the thing is, I do have things to say about. I feel quite strongly about Christmas, as you know, and as we said mm. last week. So no need to repeat it all. But Christmas is the worst time of year to celebrate incarnation because, let's face it. No one's going to do it. Way too busy. So mm. yeah, I'm all for a I'm all for a Christmas celebration in summer. Yeah, well, I, clearly, and that 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 came over. Um, I suppose the thing is, perhaps we had perhaps we had more content because we hadn't said it all. Back then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> was... If there's a lack of content, the the listeners can only blame themselves, really, because it's on them now, isn't it? Really. <laughs> We've, we've said everything we're going to say. So yeah. It's your own fault. You've just kept it going too long. That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's basically it. If you don't like it, look in the mirror. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how are you? Well, you know, I'm all right now, I think. I mm. don't know, really. It just feels like a very different world, to be honest. 
Mm. Uh, I feel older, somehow older without mum here. Uh, that's weird, isn't it? But, um, you know, my brothers have sort of been having a discussion, you know, a bit morbid, really, but it's, it's like us next. You know, there is that oh, real sense yeah. of it's our generation now. It's shifted up a gear and yeah. No, so, yeah, it's strange. Uh, nothing has changed, but everything has changed. Feels like a slightly different world now. I went and scattered my mum's ashes, which I found quite soothing, actually. I don't know how, I don't know what the etiquette is for scattering ashes. Obviously, I've been present when people have sort of poured them very gently around mm. the, the base of a rose bush or something. But I didn't take that approach, actually. I, I, I thought it would be quite fun to... You, well, I, there was no one else around. We went to a place called Queendown Warren. No one will know that obscure place apart from people from Kent. And um, North Kent at that. And uh, there was no one else there. So I And there was a nice breeze. And because I'm a professional, I know to stand downwind when you're scattering ashes. So uh, mm. I went for the massive arm-waving motion, sending a huge <laughs> cloud of ashes that blew very majestically until they They're disappeared lovely. over the down. And, and I sort of quite... The imagery of just seeing this sort of cloud of ash disappear into the ether... And over a place that she absolutely loved, I found quite soothing. And then I went and did the same thing at a, at a place on the Isle of Sheppey and on the Darlan Banks in North Kent. So those were the favourite places. None of my brothers present because they didn't really, you know, didn't mean as much to them, really. So it was for my benefit rather than mum's. Oh, OK. But it has, I mean, it has genuinely raised some sort of quite significant faith faithy questions i think right. like i said which I, th I think we should talk about at some point maybe not now but you know like in terms of where is mum now where actually mm. is she uh i think it is it's quite an interesting question to reflect on and I've, whilst i feel like my faith has developed and grown and evolved in in healthy ways there are some things i'm quite mourning at the moment and I don't know what to do about it. Like I used to think that, well, when we die, you know, this life doesn't really matter because we've got all eternity bouncing around heaven happily and we all recognise mm. each other and all that. And now I don't know whether I believe, well, I don't think I do believe that. Mm. But that's a very comforting thought. And if I don't believe that, there's a, there's a slight lack of comfort. So mm. I do believe that mum is in God and that she is safe and well and at peace um but to to what extent she is consciously still mum i don't know i'd like to, i'd just like to pursue that a bit sometime and yeah okay yeah in one, in one of our regular counseling sessions <laughs> yes which is what this is, is turning into <laughs> yeah, yeah. um <laughs> would be great yeah well i think we can talk about that i uh, talk about the varying um, ideas mm. uh um, metaphors and you know yeah you know, of what what goes on yeah that'd be helpful um, i mean i think in terms of pure escapism i went to see bullet train on monday night which is uh okay. new film brad pitt and i really enjoyed it it's been absolutely slammed by the critics but i thought it was rather fun okay enjoyed good. It. i think it was just the i think go in with low expectations and you won't be disappointed but it was great fun and uh mm. and i've been reading the brian mcclaren book but i haven't finished it sadly but that is it's fantastic. I mean, I'm deliberately going slowly. I'm always a slow reader, but I'm going particularly slowly at this point. And there's lots of things to discuss out of that sometime. So, right. yeah, there we are. How are you? 
what's been going on? Well, I don't feel like I've been doing much really. Um, I always feel this when you when we come to this part really, because you always have you know a rich social life and you've gone on and done things. Well, I've got friends. Whereas, yeah, that's possibly it. <laughs> I've mainly done very quiet things at home. Uh, hey, I tell you what, uh, I listened to a cracking podcast. It's quite a long series. It's a sort of limited series. It's called Trickster. And I was put onto it by my friend Ben. And uh, uh, hello, Ben, if you're listening. And um, it's about a, a, a writer from the 70s called Carlos Castaneda. I don't even remember him. The Teaching of, of Don Juan. He was one of these sort okay. of druggy, hippie kind of writers. And he claimed that he'd gone to Mexico, as you yeah. do, as you do, actually, yes, uh, do. And, and, and met a, an Indian uh, mystic shaman called Don Juan. And who had taught him all this stuff, you see. Okay. And uh, uh, it turns out that wasn't quite the case, and nor was he who he said he was. And then it gets really weird. It's about a sort of cult-like existence that he has and followers. It's just absolutely fascinating. It's it's jaw-droppingly weird and strange and real and true. This sounds like your kind of podcast. It's very interesting. It's 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 an American podcast. It's quite produced. It's much better produced than this old rubbish. You know, I mean, it's all got lots of music and all this kind of stuff. Loads of interviews. Yeah, but they have sponsorship, don't they, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but they tend to do them more like their radio programs. And anyway, um, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's called Trickster: okay. The Many Lives of Carlos Castaneda, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, I'm sure everyone um, will want to listen. <laughs> well, some people will, Joe. Actually, they will. Um, and <laughs> you really are back, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, the other thing is, I went to went to a wedding. Went to a wedding, which was nice. Uh, but I've realised that you know. Um, you know, at the wedding, you're you you're you're supposed to be happy, for the, the bride and groom, and I am. I'm Ordinarily. very happy for them. No, no, I'm very happy for them. But I've realised I can only be happy for about three hours. I think <laughs> that's <Yeah>. my limit. <laughs> After that, I'm just mildly content. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I can't imagine you happy for three full hours. That's, that's oh, terrific. That's, that's not. <laughs> Fair, but you know what I mean. It's, they're quite exhausting, aren't they? They anyway, are tiring. Um, yeah, they can be. So uh, no, that was nice. It was nice, but I, I do realise. Yeah, I can, I can only you know you can only be so happy for so long. Um, <laughs> oh, and then I took a part. I tell you what I did last night, and you'd be thrilled with this. Yeah. Is I I've got you know my uh, I've got a Gadget espresso machine. Uh, yes. Sort of chrome thing. Mm. Um, and uh, I took it apart and cleaned it. Ah, oh, that is well done. You've won Nerd of the Week. It's yep. Excellent. <laughs> okay. But the the effect of that is that in order to test it and to yeah. get the sort of measurements exactly right, I've had loads and loads of espresso coffee. <laughs> oh, no. You're buzzing. <laughs> I am. I am totally wired about it. I would make a rude comment about how nerdy that is, but I know for a fact that so many people who listen to this will love that sort of energy. Ah, yeah, they into. will, yeah. Commitment no, clean, that you have. Yeah. Cleaned it all out, took it to pieces, descaled it, bought new baskets for the the porter filter. Yeah, 
Yeah, there are people listening who will be very impressed with that. I'm talking to you, Dave, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, worked on my grind. <laughs> worked on my grind. I bought a new temper. How is your grind coming on? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's part of the reason why I don't get invited to many weddings, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. You should be careful with your hips. <laughs> I know. The hips don't lie, mate. And um, they don't do anything, actually. They don't move in the right way. <laughs> They move in a mysterious way, like our they Lord. They do. I'm like, I'm like God, like in that respect. Um, anyway, look, we should we should move on, shouldn't we? <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> what are we get? What are we actually going to do today? Have you planned this in any really, way, shape, I, or form? Do you know, we got a couple of bits of feedback going all the way back to the sort of leadership things that we did but you know oh, right, okay. yeah, better late than ever in fact I should say listeners there's been some great feedback but some of it's quite old now so we've got this kind of archive feedback mm. kind of file now and uh, when people don't write in with brilliant feedback we just we will just recall some old feedback so you you might not get your <laughs> your email read out for six or eight months but we will get there eventually that's what's going to happen and it will probably be uh, attributed to somebody else entirely. Yeah, uh, or someone of the other gender, as we know. That's how it rolls. That's how professional we are here. So, <laughs> thank <Indeed>. you. <laughs> so, shall we? Uh, shall we take this um, this first one? Bit of feedback. Why not? And this is Why from not? Mark, and she says. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mark says this. Uh, Hi, Joe. I've really enjoyed listening to your in-depth discussions about the problems of leading churches recently. I wonder if I have anything to contribute. If you can be bothered to read this out, you'll find out. And he says, a few things occurred to me. I have redacted it slightly. We have. Uh, a few things occurred to me while I was listening. Firstly, he says, perhaps the most significant is that there was little mention of the importance of the authenticity in a leader for those not in the church. Yeah, good point. He says, I can't and won't uh, ask people to profess belief in things I don't believe in as a condition for being a Jesus person. Who was it that said the church is the only institution that exists for the benefit of those who aren't its members? He says, Nick will know. Do you know that? Uh, I think it might be Chesterton. I think it's attributed to him, Norman. Oh, I see. Yeah, he was... But then lots of things are. So, yeah. Uh, um, um, I should say Mark sort of comes from a sort of science background, but is mm. trained later in life in theology. So, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, this this stuff on leadership isn't just for church leaders. We were just focusing uh, on them, particularly in the specific, I guess, uh, issues related to them. And then he goes on this, therefore, he says, has an effect on my authenticity as I interact with those in my church and other churches. I won't preach stuff I don't believe in, but equally, I try really hard to make it clear that I have no problem with people in the church who have beliefs that I can't share. I think this is a basis for a healthy relationship. I know there are people in my church who disagree with me. However, I also feel sure that what I have been banging on about for years has influenced some, if not all, in their theology. Um, so, yeah, I think he's just talking about they're having a sort of reasonably humble approach that this is what I think. And you can mm. other views are available, as they say. And he says there was some discussion on the problem of churches selecting and paying for their own ministry. That's certainly how it works in the congregational church. But there are ways in which the independence of leaders can be protected. He says as church finance has become more stretched and in light of the trend to people retiring earlier, it may be that such a model as the one that he has uh, offers benefits more widely uh, and, and his one namely sort of coming into ministry once you've retired so you don't have the financial, don't put the financial burden on the mm. church. 
And he said, finally, there was some discussion about concentrating on what you were good at and leaving others to do what they can do better. I could not agree more. I'm hopeless at pastoral stuff. I told the church I was I was when they were thinking of appointing me and others in the fellowship have stepped up to do this. This different gifting is explicitly recognised by the Congregational Federation, which has seven separate and equal categories of accredited ministry. And he says, great podcast. And that's from Mark, who he says somehow is president of the Congregational Congregational Federation 2022 slash 23. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. El Presidente. El Presidente, as Carlos the Jackal might say. I hope you got a nice uniform with a lot of gold on it. (laughs) That's what you want if you're president, isn't it? Um, (laughs) So authenticity, talking about a lot about authenticity. Yeah. Um, And I, I thought it was interesting because... I don't know that it seems to me there's a need for authenticity or a desire for authenticity in, in in all areas of life, isn't it? People want to both be authentic in themselves and they want to see it in others. Yes, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? Because it involves vulnerability and who of us really likes being vulnerable. You know, if I've got to be authentic to me, I've got to let you see me as I really am. And I actually mm. might not like that. <laughs> mm. Well, I think uh, yeah, I think it's a number of things. One one is that yeah, that that the, there's the vulnerability. Maybe I, I I might come back on that. I think the other mm. thing is this idea of just integrity, authenticity, s- saying what you mean. You know, you tr- people trusting your words. When Jesus mm. says, you know, do not swear in one of those uh, statements, do not swear by this or that. He doesn't say do not swear uh, as in the bongos, but he says, you know, uh, do not do not swear yeah. by this or that. Yeah, let your yes be yes, you know, be no. you know. I think what he's saying there is is people should under people should trust your words uh, yeah. to be at one with who you are, you know, uh, and 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 really believe that. And it, it, I've just been listening so much to you know the the leadership contest that's going on, and oh, yeah. and and you think really where's the where, Where's the authenticity here? Where's the no, no. where's the reality? You people just saying what they think people want to hear. Yes, exactly. Not, I know. Not what they need to hear, or even maybe what they truly believe. No. I don't know. Maybe they are. But I mean, that's what I hate about. Um, oh, what's that show called? The Apprentice. The Apprentice. It's all just I'm the greatest businessman that's ever existed. Yeah, I'm yeah. the great. You just think what that is. A, yes, that's an awful attitude. If I. I I would never want to work with you if that's your attitude yes. <laughs> to yourself. And another thing I'd say about integrity um, is that integrity is not, you know, being good at everything. I think sometimes we're tempted to think that, that, that what integrity in your personal life and everything is that you go around and you don't make mistakes. <laughs> the point is you integrity is being honest about them there's a uh, do you know that lutheran pastor nadia boltz weber she's an author as well she's uh, i've heard of her yeah she's absolutely wonderful and i think in terms of integrity of of all the preachers i know uh, i think she is so wonderful because she leans so into grace she can be completely honest about herself and her life and exactly as it is and you know she doesn't she doesn't seem to manipulate or paint a flowery picture of her life and her gifts and everything. She just seems to be honest. She doesn't exaggerate mm. them, I don't think. She's just honest about it. And that integrity is so winsome. It really draws you to someone because you think if you can be honest about your failures and weaknesses like that, then maybe I can and maybe I can be accepted too. Mm. And I just think, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? The more we we grow in grace and understand it, 
then the more I think we're able to just be honest about how things are, really. Yeah, but the, the issue is what you identified is about vulnerability. Mm. See, I think the thing is people want authenticity in, in leaders, mm. but they don't want vulnerability. Do you think? They don't want people who make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, or the media, at least, will not no, sure. let up on that. So so if you had a, a any politician who, who suddenly went, um, listen, frankly, I have no idea what we're going to do with the economy. Anybody got any ideas? Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the media would have this field day with them. So we want people to tell the truth. But we actually, if they tell the truth and we don't like it, then they'll get absolutely slaughtered. So we're creating... Um, you know, the grounds for inauthentic leadership, defensive leadership. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Leadership that cannot embrace any kind of humility or vulnerability because it, it will get slaughtered and that, that will happen in the church as, as much as any anywhere else. I wanted to ask you, thank you for saying it, do you think that happens in the church as well? Do you think that's that's what we expect and want from our leaders? Well, I, I wonder if... You know, I, I wonder if the, the percentage of people would be the same. I, I get the feeling that if there was a, a leader who genuinely said, look, we don't know what we're doing here, yeah. or we don't, we don't know what to, quite how to solve this problem, but we're looking at lots of different ways, whether a lot of people would find that refreshing. Mm. Some people wouldn't. Some people would say, that, you know, because they're, they're opposed to that leader, they would say, we don't want anything to do. Look, look what an imbecile that person is. Mm. He doesn't know what he's doing or she doesn't know what she's doing whatever yeah. so maybe yeah. the same percentage would be true in any church that if you have somebody up front who's willing to go look i'm just being vulnerable here i don't know you know i'm not all i'm cracked up to be all this kind of stuff then actually you always get factions within a church and some would use that um against that person i don't i don't know i, I think it must be easier with it should be easier within the church than in the wider world and you know jesus often talked about how leadership in the church should be different um to that in the world yeah but what i also wanted to talk about in that email was um churches selecting and paying for their own ministry yeah. because i know that's something you've had you've had different models i seem to recall when you first became yeah uh, a, a baptist minister that you actually had a job as well didn't yeah you? yeah i did yeah i worked at ocean blue yeah yeah and well as stuart murray who is one of the interviews i've done with my tutor there dr stuart murray he had a lot to say about uh, ministry and, and the perils of churches that pay for their ministers and the the unhealth that can create both for the minister mm. and for the congregation. So, so yeah, I came out all full of vim and vigour before I moved down here and went full time and got paid for by the church. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a strong case uh, to be made for, um, you know, not a not using all the church's finances on on salaries but be also the slight unhealthy dynamics that can occur in those situations because when you feel like as you can do if you know that you're owned by the church it mm. prohibits you from being as honest as you want to be sometimes because you know that a they can get rid of you and then you might be made homeless and then you know there's all sorts of things yes. going on there yes so, it's a very tricky relationship isn't it yeah it is so so Mark's point about how that might change as uh, more sort of retired people get involved or there's more lay leadership. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I think within the Anglican Church, my view is there is going to have to be much more lay mm. leadership because yeah. they just can't staff it. No, exactly. 
And so you're going to have to move that that route. And and again, then it becomes about, well, how do you train those leaders and how do you, you know, uh, resource them and how do you help them be authentic uh, leaders of integrity uh, in a different way? Anyway, yeah. really uh, a good email. Thanks very much, Mark. That was that's Well, really that's helpful. good. And that leads in quite nicely, actually, to our other email, which is from Kate, who says, I'm new to your podcast. Uh, sorry, not listening from episode one. Tusk, tusk. Uh, Kate. Oh, Kate, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on, Kate. Where's come on, Kate. Yeah, I know. He says, I found the last two in particular really helpful. Um, and by last two, I don't think it means the last two. It means whenever she wrote this, which was probably on the leadership ones. Uh, okay. She says, coming from a large Baptist church where I, was, where I was an elder that has gone through a massive split over same-sex relationships, I wish I'd heard the discussion about five years ago. I hope and pray that it might be possible to remain in that church. But the damage that was caused by inverted commas loving christians is immense and difficult to forgive not only because of the dreadful things that were said to me personally which are easier to put aside but also because of the damage caused to my two gay sons who unsurprisingly have no interest in ever setting foot in a church again mm. perhaps a follow-up discussion about how to heal following the hurt caused by damaging conflict would be helpful and he says many thanks kate thank you kate Yes. Well, I think that is that that that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, it um, is, yeah. I've got my own feeling on it, but I I mean, obviously, you've been, you know, without wanting to rake over the coals again, but you, you've been more involved, I suppose, at the, the sharp end of, of the, this kind of dispute. Yeah, I have. <laughs> what, what shall I say? <laughs> Well, I think answer the question. How do you heal the rifts, Joe? That's what we want to hear. Come on. Well, you know, I think we have to start with ourselves and Mm. we have we have to really, you know, look inside and look at our own hearts. And, you know, we feel so strongly about this issue. And it is a justice issue for many people. It's not just a nice theological thing to ponder uh, it's a real justice. People are being treated badly. And worst case scenario, uh, people are so damaged, they're committing suicide. So the suicide rate amongst gay people, particularly gay people in the church, is, is, is astronomically more than others. And that is because they're being given the message that they are fundamentally, you know, uh, not right before God. Uh, you know, God will not set, accept them as as they are, they have got to change before they can be accepted. Um, so, so it's, it's a really thorny and difficult issue. And of course, and funnily enough, money comes into this issue, I think. You know, for denominations, there's a lot of churches that are wealthy that basically say, if you support same-sex unions and marriages, you, you know, we will withdraw our support, and hence our money as well, therefore... And, and that will cause massive uh, issues as well. So sometimes uh, in our denominations, they're desperately trying to broker a peace where, you know, not to put too fine a point, and I don't, I wouldn't like to comment on how big an influence the money is, but they want to broker a peace because they're going to be in serious financial trouble if they don't. Um, so that's, a, that's one aspect of it. I, I think that there's learning from all sides. You know, the church has held a certain view for thousands of years. It's not going to change overnight and it's going to take patience that people may not feel they've got um, to lovingly and caringly um, move through this, as I guess it did with slavery back in the day. 
or women in leadership or women bishops or, you know, in, in the countless other ways that the church has had to negotiate change from its traditional position. Um, and it takes trailblazers and brave, courageous people and it takes patient people and it takes loving and gracious, kind people to move through this. I haven't really got any more answers than that, I don't think. No, I I think with these issues, with any sort of big split actually within a church, that only really time and distance um, mm. can bring a sort of reconciliation, really, because, you know, in the immediate aftermath, um, even, you know, I think Kate was saying about five years ago, it's still, you know, mm. there's still a rawness there. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's can defend sort of people saying horrible and dreadful things to each other. No. Uh, but that happens. I, I was thinking about this a lot because um, I've, I've been doing a writing course. I mean, yeah, well, only a, I thought it was about time I learned. You know, I thought <laughs> well, we all think never that. too, never too late. <laughs> That's great. Good for you. Yeah. Well, no. Sometimes what I do is I, you know, I just feel quite often. You know, every few years, I'll, I'll do a course of some kind. I'll learn. You know, I'll go and listen to somebody I'm writing or whatever because you can always learn stuff. Yeah. And this one is one of those uh, sort of, uh, you know, online things. There's a BBC Maestro course with Alan Moore. Oh, right, um, yeah, I saw that. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the yeah, podcast. because it's, yeah. it's been so. And anyway, he was saying that the most important, uh, amongst many, many weird things he said, but some good things he said, he said the most important tool that a writer has is empathy. Mm. And, you know, because you have to understand the motivations of all your characters uh, mm. And I would say that even for the type of writing I do, which is a lot of historical writing, that you should have—I probably should have more empathy than I have. But it—it it just seemed to me actually, well, maybe in life, you know, one of the key things is is that ability to at least see where somebody else is coming from. Yeah. Uh, and this goes on both sides. I know there's been a lot of anger and hurt and mm. uh, about, for example. Um, the Church of England, the Justin Welby's yes, statement absolutely. recently. Yeah, there has. Yeah. I fully understand that, you know, but I think from his position, he's in a pretty impossible position as well. No. I mean, if I were him, I would resign and go and do something more enjoyable with my life, but he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. He feels committed to, you know, he's trying to keep the Anglican communion together. Yeah. And sure, you can look at it and go, well, why aren't you being braver? Why aren't you being do this? What do I do? You know, there's, I'm not taking sides here. I'm just trying to say that yeah. actually the, it, the, the complexities of it are just enormous. And it's not as, as uh, simple as, you know, uh, why don't we all just sort of, uh, you know, get over it kind of thing. Um, and I don't know how you do with it. The only thing I can think of is time does it. Historically speaking, change takes time real change societal change cultural change it takes it takes a long time and i mean i feel very you know sad for any the hurt and distress that's been caused here or yeah. you know yeah. and I, I i have people i know it's happened to and all this I, I feel desperately sad about it and i don't know of any other solution though other than to sort of keep praying and keep hanging in there and yeah i think talking. so i think so and just and and keep i mean this sounds so naive really but keep follow whichever side of this argument you're on keep following jesus that that is the thing 
not not focusing on your theology maybe even not focusing on on one particular interpretation of the bible that you've grown up with and can't possibly leave behind but to focus on being christ-like it seems to me it is yeah wherever you are in this argument that's what you've got to do right now you know to be christ to people to be that loving encounter and you know going back to the gospels reading seeing the radical loving inclusive jesus and if that takes your interpretation one way fine if it doesn't but but it should affect the way you treat everyone and especially your theological enemies um at this time mm. it's funny you should say that because that is ex- I'm, I'm preaching on sunday by the way oh, yeah. and uh I'm talking on exactly that. Oh, and, good. And yeah, and and it comes about partly because um, I was thinking about it because uh, you know how sometimes you hear things two or three times and you think, yeah. hmm, I wonder if something's being yeah. said to me here. Yeah, you should pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah. And this was um, the old song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Mm. I don't know if you know, I have decided to follow yeah, Jesus, yeah. no turning yeah, back, no turning back. And I heard it first. And uh, something to do with work where, uh, you know, persecuted Christians sing it at the end of kind of trauma training. And they, wow. they, they sing it as a statement. The, you know, whatever I've been mm. through, whatever's happened to me, I have decided to follow wow. Jesus. And then I went to That's church amazing. the following Sunday and we sang it. So we actually yeah. sang it at the Evos and then I went to church yeah. on the following Sunday and we sang it. And I'm thinking, OK, yeah. there's, there's, there's this kind of knocking on my head here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm getting yeah. the elbow nudge of God here. Um, you know, and, and I thought, yeah, that is it. I have decided to follow Jesus and, and, and I need to kind of recommit to that. And you're right. I think that's the only way. What would Jesus do? How, what is the Christ-like action to do at this point? That's great. And, and my following of Jesus, because of the specific circumstances of my setting, and my views on same-sex relationships has led me out of the church, but but your but your following of Jesus has allowed you to sit comfortably within it, and I think that's that's great. There's no right or wrong, one size fits all here, is there? Um, the main thing is that we're trying to follow Jesus. We have decided to follow Jesus, and I still am following Jesus. And I and I I don't know whether to call myself a Christian anymore, uh, as is the name of Brian McLaren's book, because I you know there's so much baggage associated with that and so many assumptions made. But equally, you know, what is not up for question is whether I'm going to follow Jesus anymore, because I made that decision a long time ago, and I stand by it today as I did then. I think it's a really helpful kind of, you know, song, phrase, whatever, because I think it also puts the onus back on us as individuals. I know I can't at the end of the day control what other people think of me or control what what other people opinions they hold. You know, I can talk to them about them, but, you know, there's not much I can do in other ways. But I can always control how I react. I can always control my own actions. Well, in theory, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> in practice, it's a bit trickier, but you know, uh, I, I, I can do that, and I should yeah. do that, and yeah. I, because I have decided to follow Jesus, and what else can I do, really? Yeah, yeah. So in that in that sense, it, it kind of it, it's helpful because there was the next Jesus-like thing that I can do, whatever is thrown at me, whatever situation I find myself in whatever's been done to me, even whatever I've done to other people, there's still mm. a Jesus-like act that I can do out of that. So I don't mm. know, I just felt that personally that was a kind of, you know, prod to me 
you know, when I heard that. Yeah. Um, That's good. I don't know if we've solved anything here. No, um, probably I, not. I, I do feel so uh, sad that these things happen. Um, but uh, I feel sad about it. I feel sad that the church is tying its not, it, itself in knots over that um, when there's so many massive, massive issues that are really a lot more important to be giving our energies to. And here we are stuck talking about whether two people who love each other should should be in a relationship. You know, that breaks my heart, really. But there we go. Mm. Uh, anyway, I think I think we should uh, we should call a halt now to yes. proceedings. Most definitely, <laughs> yeah. So so it only remains for us to thank you for listening and to thank everyone who supports the podcast. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you, and everyone who recommends it, and everyone who writes into emails to Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you very much. We'll be uh, with you next week. Is there anything else you want to add? No, yes, I think we should finish with a song, don't you? Two, three. Yes, come on. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Lovely. <laughs> Shocking. If that doesn't get us to number one on the charts, I don't know what will. 